Hello, and welcome to The SIP, the Smart Institute podcast, where we talk about all the things that media and communication bring to our doorstep. In each episode, we are joined by leading researchers and doctoral students from the Department of Communication and Journalism at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, who will dive into an intimate conversation about their academic research. Today, in the very first episode of The SIP, we're delighted to host Dr. Nicholas John and Tzlil Sharon for a talk about the rise of podcasting, the cultural ideals that go with this new medium, and how we learn to make sense of podcasts. So sit down, take a sip of wine, and get smart. Hi, Tzlil. Hi, Nick. <laughs> so for the people listening who don't know you, you are Tzlil Sharon a PhD student at the Department of Communication and Journalism here at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Uh, can I say that I'm your advisor in your, I mean... Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a fact. It's a fact. Uh, and Tzlil um, is studying podcasting uh, and what she's particularly interested in is podcast listening uh, and her thesis is her dissertation is going to be about the construction and the experience and the datification of podcast listening uh, and we're all really looking forward to seeing where that goes uh, and you've got a BA and an MA in uh, in communication your BA is also in art history right uh, and I mean, if I'm not wrong, you finished both of those degrees uh, with distinction. Yes, uh, I have. <laughs> and and um, you are interested in the philosophy and theory of media of, and communication and the history of media technologies uh, and digital culture. And um, Outside of the academic world, I know that I didn't know you in those days, but I, but well, you were a technology journalist in your youth. It's true. Right? Well, not really youth. I mean, when I was 20 something, is that considered youth? But you started your journalism oh, career yeah, in your teens. Oh, yeah, but then I was right. But oh. I wasn't uh, like a technology journalist yet. I ah, was okay. just a teen journalist. Okay. <laughs> and also, you worked in copywriting. I, uh, so, yeah, cool. I think that's kind of you. Thank you. Uh, so, Dr. Nicholas John, can I call you uh, Nicholas or Nick? I'm going <laughs> to call you Nick because this is how I usually call you. Is a senior lecturer in the Department of Communication and Journalism at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And uh, he's also my PhD advisor. Uh, originally from England, Nick studied uh, philosophy and social and political sciences at Cambridge University. And he carried out his doctoral research about the internet in Israel in the Department of Sociology at the Hebrew University. Nick is also the author of the award-winning book, The Age of Sharing. It's a brilliant book. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And uh, his research interests include technology and uh, society, disconnectivity, and political unfriending on Facebook. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, we could say that we've co-authored two articles together. Yeah. And um, which actually brings us to the issue we're, we're going to talk about today, which is podcasts. What is more appropriate than talking about podcasting in the first episode of the Smart Podcast, That's right? It's very meta. I am very pleased. Uh, yeah. So before we dive in, what's your favorite podcast these days? 
Uh, I recently got a tip from my brother to listen to a podcast called Strong Songs, where a musician explains why, over the course of 45 minutes, explains why a famous pop song is really good. And it's, it's like, like music appreciation for kind of dummies. It's, but it's really interesting. It's fun. Uh, and I just discovered it recently so I'm working through their back catalogue hmm. right now what about you? well as you know I'm very much pregnant now so most <laughs> of the podcasts that I'm listening to are related to parenthood and pregnancy but there is a specific one that I think is really good even if you're not expecting a child soon which is uh, Gimlet's Motherhood Sessions it's a therapist sitting down with the mother or father and just talk about the challenges of motherhood and like not the usual stuff not just the lack of sleep but also things like imposter syndrome and uh, stuff like that and I find it very interesting and I also started to listen to the new season of The Heart which mm. used to be on Radiotopia and now it's produced um, by Mermaid Palace which is the new initiative of Caitlin Prest and it's it's really good I like it I know you have the sticker on your yeah, computer. it's true. I, I just am a, a big fan, hard girl. fan. Yeah. Uh, so why do you think the Department of Communication needs a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe every department of everything should have a podcast. Uh, why do we need a podcast? I mean, it's a way for us to tell the world about the research that we're doing, I guess, right? Um, yeah, I'm thinking specifically why do researchers need something like that or could use this platform to, I don't know, pass their knowledge in this way? Well, this may kind of lead us into the the article because I think that there's a, there's a kind of distinction between uh, like time that we sit down and read and other times where we kind of where we where we where we're listening to the radio or uh maybe this is i don't know i feel like this could quite easily become an argument for why we shouldn't have a <laughs> cast about research because maybe let people listen to other things when they're not reading uh but it but it allows us to um it allows us to to talk to people or talk to each other and people can listen as they go about their daily lives. Yeah, I agree. I also think that we cannot read all the books, right? There are a lot of books out there and we only have 24 hours a day. So um, I think with listening to podcasts, you can really utilize your time. And also, I think that it's a way to simplify your research and kind of reflect on it and think about it in a new way. So, um, yeah, this is why I think the department needs a podcast. Um, and this leads us to the topic that we are talking about today. And um, we can frame it as the whole idea of podcasting as a new medium, right? Yeah, I mean, we... Even though podcasts have been around for 15 years? Yeah, about 15 years. Uh, they've only really entered the popular imagination like in a big way in the last five or six years, right? I mean, the literature 
talks about the podcast serial as being a real turning point in the in public's awareness. In 2014, yeah. Yeah. And as of... 2019, 51% of Americans have listened to a podcast at least once, according to Edison Research, and uh, 32 have listened to a podcast in the last past month. Plus, it's a growing industry. We see a lot of um, podcast companies that are specifically directed at producing podcasts. Uh, we are talking about Gimlet, Spotify is now really big in the podcasting industry, Radiotopia, Wondery, there are many, many more. Mm-hmm. But is it a new medium? Well, obviously, the first thing that people probably think about when they think about podcasting is radio. Uh, and whether it's just another way of listening to the radio. And it's confusing, especially when radio stations put out radio programs as podcasts. Yeah, uh, it's a big So the trend BBC now. has got, you know, every, every show it has, it will also release as a podcast. Uh, so there's clearly, some, there's clearly a lot of overlap going on between radio and the world of podcasting. True. This is usually the familiar cultural point of reference when we think about podcasting. But um, I think that uh, podcasts present us with a mix of old and new media practices that uh, it might be worth talking about, such as portability and uh, serialization, uh, subscription-based circulation, uh, mass personal logic of social media, you know, the whole idea of broadcast yourself that Mm -hmm. we know from YouTube, and also the concept of on-demand content and um, binge consumption that we usually associate with Netflix and Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. But, but there are some differences, I think, if we can kind of summarize it into uh, three uh, major differences. Uh, and the first is that with radio, one can just tune in and listen to whatever is on. Mm-hmm. But one has to actively seek out and subscribe to podcasts. So the listening actually requires work even before the actual listening can begin. So you kind of craft your uh, desired mode of listening in advance in that sense. Right, you need an app and you need to search for your podcasts and you need to make sure you're getting the notifications. Exactly. Also, we can say that the on-demand logic of podcasts uh, cannot generate the same sense of collectivism formed between people who tune in to exactly the same radio show and exactly the same time. We're talking about the different experience of community here. Right. It's harder to, um, it's harder to imagine a community uh, when you know that you're just listening to the podcast whenever you fancy, whenever's good for you and not because it's eight o'clock and it's the news or even that it's the morning and the newspaper has arrived. That was Benedict Anderson's example, obviously. Yeah, from his right. And it could be a very niche, specific podcast on, I don't know. Yeah, esoteric. Uh, and the third thing is that podcast consumption is both mobile and very personal. So uh, people listen to podcasts uh, usually through their smartphones, their personal devices, with earbuds, which mm-hmm. are literally inside the body of the person. So it's very intimate. And also, we usually do it on the go. This is why it's usually associated with urban spaces, like on the train, or when you're driving to work, when you walk in the street. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it accompanies people on their 
uh, on their commute, it kind of fills up in between times. Right. Uh, so in between the home and the office or uh, between the home and the shops or it, 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 it can fill uh, spaces um, in our everyday lives. I think what's interesting is also to think that it fills spaces that we didn't know that we had. Just mm. if you think how automatically you take your phone out of your uh, pocket if you're standing in line. Yeah, the fact that it's embedded in the smartphone, your personal device also makes it more appealing to listen to podcasts whenever you want to do something with your hands or with your eyes. Or I mean, obviously, you know, for people of a certain age, they are quite, they remember maybe having a book uh, or maybe a Walkman. Uh, What's a book? No, I'm kidding. But usually you read books now also through screens. Uh, often, I guess. Sometimes, yeah. A book is heavy to carry around. This is also yeah. true. Uh, I find that when I'm at home and, and it's time to do chores, like hang out the laundry, empty the dishwasher, mm-hmm. rather than just do those tasks like in silence, I will put the earbuds in my ear and I will fire up a podcast and even if it's only for five or six minutes while I'm doing hanging out the laundry I'll hang out the laundry and 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 listen to something at the same time like do you because you want to amuse yourself or learn something new or just because why being on silence yeah it's more like I don't think when I listen to a, a podcast that discusses the weekend's football matches I'm like particularly uh, educating myself and pursuing a hobby. But yeah, it's like, why would I do this in silence mm. now that I don't have to? I can listen to something interesting and diverting and entertaining. Uh, so why wouldn't I listen to that now as I do these chores? So uh, the starting point of our discussion today is that just as we can identify different modes of listening to the radio over the years, the podcast industry is now cultivating different modes of listening to different formats. And that makes us question, uh, how do we learn to make sense of podcasts? And uh, what is the cultural meaning of podcast listening? Right. I think, I mean, obviously, I think these are good questions because you and I sat down and thought about them and wrote <laughs> something together. So uh, clearly, they're, I think that they're interesting questions. It's interesting to think about how, with any new medium, we learn to consume it. Uh, right. If it's, you know, how, how do we learn when we go to the cinema that we should sit quietly? I mean, I guess because when we were little, our parents or older relatives or told us, to talk more quietly in the cinema. You don't talk during a play. So we learn how to consume the, 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 the culture that we do consume. And so with podcasts, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting to think about the emergence of this new medium as creating a problem for people who are producing podcasts, which is how are we going to convey to our listeners how we think they should be listening to us now right so i mean it's obvious that uh, podcasters imagine their listeners 
And in the recent paper we wrote together, which uh, was published in Popular Communication, I think the beginning of last, the end of last year. It's 2019. It? Yeah. Will we put a link in the program notes? Yeah, we will. I oh, always wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, this paper uh, examines the ideal listener of and the ideal mode of listening to audio storytelling podcasts and specifically to one called Invisibilia, which is produced by the American National Public Radio, known as NPR. Can you say a bit more about Invisibilia? What kind of a podcast yeah, sure. is it? So, Basically, Invisibilia focuses in each episode on one specific invisible force that shapes our lives, such as emotions, ideas, assumptions, beliefs, and so on. Okay, so so this is a broadsheet podcast. This yeah. It's quite highbrow. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of, it's in between like this, your scientific kind of radio program and something that is more narrative oriented crafted narrative that takes you to a story into this specific uh, belief or emotion that the, the episode is focused on mm. so to accompany the second season of the podcast npr released a document called invisibilia listening party kit with a set of seven uh, adult coloring pages one for each episode of the season mm -hmm. uh, for fans to download and print and if you want to have a look, this is also something that we're going to put on the uh, show notes. So this kit gives you uh, detailed instructions for listening and discussing the podcast with your friends. And at this event, basically the participants are invited to color in adult coloring pages while listening to episodes of the podcast together. Mm -hmm. And then they're meant to discuss them what the podcast meant to me or what I understood from that or how it's related to my life or uh, yes yeah, so it's like not that. just about the listening it's also about the social event of talking about it and, mm -hmm. you know. and we thought that these we call them paratext because they uh, accompany the the main text which is the podcast uh, so we view them as sort of a serving suggestion like the one you see on a box of um your morning cereal. And this was actually your, your idea, your metaphor. So would you like to explain? I mean, it's just that when you buy your breakfast cereal and it has a picture of, a perfect picture of your bowl of cereal with milk splashing perfectly in perfect pieces and of fruit with it. Yeah. And you, okay. So that so you cannot get in Israel, ah, usually. Well, <laughs> uh, but you know that no, but you know that they know that no one eats their cereal like that. Right. It's, it's a kind of ideal of how you might maybe eat your cereal. Exactly. So, so we think that these paratexts, the listening party kit and the coloring pages, are basically meant to lay out an ideal. They present us with certain assumptions and uh, expectations about the podcast listeners. And in doing so, we argue, they also kind of construct the listening subject and bring it into being. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, they also then make a claim about what the, the podcast producers make a claim about what the podcast is. And who's supposed to be the audience? What do they think about us? Now, we already know that podcasts, I mean, 
podcast creators, podcasters hold certain image of their listeners. And we know that because we had a really nice and fun example, which I couldn't find online. I mean, they took it off. I don't know why. Just before, in between the first and the second season of Invisibilia, the host of the show, Lulu Miller and Elise Spiegel, they released a see you soon audio message to their audience in which they kind of, it was a teaser to the second season and they kind of discussed all the tasks that one could complete while listening to the first season of Invisibilia. So they talked about like washing uh, 720 dishes and 34 mugs and doing six loads of laundry and mm -hmm. walking 12 miles and so on. So this exposes, they think of us as these productive, busy adults. Right. right, who are undertaking various chores because we're responsible for ourselves and for other people and that, the, and that we're listening to podcasts as, to accompany us as we go about these Exactly, when we are chores. commuting. So why do they provide us now with these adult coloring pages and instructions for having a listening party? So in this study, we decided to focus on this paratext because we think that with every new medium, it's always a collection of cultural efforts and texts that construct how we make sense out of this new new media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we sat down with the, with the listening party kit and with the coloring pages uh, and, and we tried to think who, who is the listener here, what, uh, what cultural tropes are being uh, enacted in these, in these texts. Right. And I think that the main thing we found is that there is tension between the naive child and the multitasking adult mm -hmm. uh, listener. And um, in order to talk about this tension, we need to first, I mean, let's, let's break it down. Because the first thing you come across when you look at those texts is that we encounter many childish elements. Like what? Like what? <laughs> For example, even infantile, I would say. So first of all, the very practice of coloring is obviously associated with childhood, right? Uh, you know, we, we even have a space provided for us to write our names, and this takes us back to our school days, uh, or preschool days even. So there is that. Uh, but also the textual instructions given in the listening party kit are also heavily influenced by childish elements. Well, <laughs> obviously, I don't know how many of you are now looking at the at this kit uh, in the show notes, but let me just describe it. We have uh, four sections there. Uh, we have conversation catalysts, which is offers discussion points for after listening to specific episodes. We have a section called how to moderate a great conversation. There is a section for music, snacks, and coloring pages, and how to host an NPR listening party. Okay, so we have those four sections. And if we look at the snacks section, for example, we have a lot of weird recommendations, like suitable for a, I'm saying weird because um, it's, it's more suitable for a child birthday party rather than, you know, a sophisticated uh, adult uh, social gathering such as white cheddar popcorn with an entire sleeve of Oreos. Yeah, sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> also, the suggested seating arrangement is suitable for a pyjama party. It says, help people settle in by providing pillows and blankets, arrange seating into a circle to help conversation flow. 
what else do we have here? Uh, I, I think there is also something about the situation of sitting in a circle and talking about a story that we just heard in like a cozy well, setting. And even sitting in a circle and hearing a story. Yeah, this is, it, it again brings to mind our school days. And this is also reflected in the question, the su suggested questions in the kit, such as what struck you the most about the story? Uh, what surprises you or moved you? Uh, which character did you relate to and why? Right. So these are kind of like book report guiding questions exactly. from, from third or fourth grade. And I mean, in general, there's something childish and regressive about the very scenario of being told a story in a cozy setting. The, the whole notion that they talk about in the kid, like getting lost in the sound, is um, suggests that the podcast is supposed to, in a way take us um, and transport us from one space to another. It's kind of a magical experience that reminds us of a bedtime story. I mean, so, yeah. I, I think that's, those are unavoidable associations when you read those, those texts. Um, and and they, they bring to mind a number of uh, concepts from the literature and also another, a number of trends that have been going on in popular culture. Um, so like, if we think about coloring in adult coloring pages so this this a few years ago was a, was a big trend uh, but then um, I, I looked into this a little bit more I learned about something called the Peter Pan market which mm. is where uh, childish things are marketed to adults so um, you know if you've got the time and the money you can go on a uh, summer camp which is very like for children I mean it's a child in, in we the model no, of no, just for adults well, yeah that would be kind of disturbing and and, 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 and from what i could gather with a fair amount of alcohol and parties <laughs> but the idea is that you as an adult go on a summer camp that is very much in the style of the summer camps you might have gone on in your teens with activities and whatever i haven't been on a summer camp in the states uh or there's there's a there's an adult kindergarten um somewhere in Brooklyn or Manhattan that was written about in, in the papers a few years ago. So there's this idea that, um, that there's a market for, uh, for very childish activities that you can sell to adults who have got the disposable income to, to participate in these very childish things. So there's the, the literature talks about, thing, about concepts such as kidult, uh, or adult children or boy men uh, and the idea here is that there is a generation of men it's mostly men this is quite a gendered discourse mm -hmm. uh, that there's a generation of men who are refusing to grow up they're immature they're impulsive they don't take responsibility um, they don't want to deal with the realities of life uh, so in this context it may be tempting to consider the listening party and the coloring pages as kind of as another version of this right as something infantile as a kind of infantile escapism yeah if you escapism. want but i mean it's not entirely childish after all because um a close reading shows that there is much more to those seemingly childish paratext that actually appeal to the adult nature of the listener uh, we can talk, for example, about the, the content of the coloring pages 
it's adult oriented. We have some examples here. If we try well, we, to describe yeah. them, we have. Yeah, we uh, can see them, but this isn't a <laughs> visual medium. <laughs> yeah, we need to describe <laughs> them. So, uh, for example, we have uh, a lot of hands kind of throwing uh, drugs and pills and plasters and whatnot. And we also have a picture of this kind of disturbing picture of a little girl holding a flower and then. Uh, bunch of fists and a bull heading towards her. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the Wall Street bull. Yeah. And also the context in which the coloring pages are presented in the kit appears to be a reaction to an adult communication crisis because it says listening parties are all about unplugging and getting lost in the sound of powerful audio storytelling. With your phone tucked away, you might find yourself wondering, what do I do with my hands? So indeed, throughout the kit, we are presented with a justification for holding listening parties. They are meant to unplug us, busy adults, from our phones. But at the same time, it is clear that we need to occupy our phone-free hands somehow, uh, so we can immerse ourselves in the powerful audio storytelling sounds. We didn't write about this, but I, I have a just a hunch, really, mm -hmm. that um, that I know that in the in the listening party kit, they say, you know, what what am I to do with my hands while I'm listening? And I I wonder if if the question isn't really what should I do with my eyes, and that the how and that they give us coloring in not to occupy our hands but to occupy our eyes because what are we meant to look at while we're listening? Right. It's a bit, and if everyone was sitting around, all these adults sitting listening to a podcast. And they were all like looking at each other. It's I don't know, so maybe weird. this is just my social awkwardness, but I think that that would, would just be, be just terrible Awkward. to have to look at everyone while they're listening. So if I'm colouring in, it actually gives me something to do with my eyes. But that's kind of in brackets because the article has been published and we can't go back and change that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there is that too. And um, basically what, what we wrote in the article, what we think is that the objective of this unplugging is kind of uh, to disentangle oneself from the adult destructions, to make oneself digitally unreachable and in doing so, you know, make oneself fully available to the podcast and to the people with whom one is, uh, he or she is physically co-present. Um, we described it as performative unplugging, a concept which I hope we'll have time to come back to later. But for now, let's say that the most indicative example of how the kit addresses the adult listener can be found in the post-listening suggested questions for discussions. Okay, which I just said were like a, 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 a reading report, but so we have that. a lot of, of like uh, book reportage kind of question, but we also have this central strategy. If we look at all the questions, that we see that the, the kit encourages us to uh, share our emotions. So the, the questions are addressed to adult participants who can look back on their childhood and kind of uh, think deeply about their relationships. Questions like, if you had a similar experience with a family member or a friend, do you have any personal experiences or stories related to these ideas? How does it impact your relationships? And these questions obviously address adults who are assumed to be familiar with uh, therapeutic uh, culture, right? Therapy culture. Yeah, absolutely. Right. To, to, to relate to your early childhood, to talk about problems in your relationships today. Absolutely. That is, that is how we understand ourselves 
in yeah. therapy culture. This is not to say that there is nothing childish about this, uh, this paratext, but we prefer to think about it as childlike. And what, what do I mean by that? So we basically argue that the kid is deployed to convey a myth about invisibilia. Um, and perhaps about audio storytelling podcasts uh, in a broader way. And that is that the podcast can connect us with ourselves and with others in a deep, meaningful way. And the way to do this is to listen to the podcast in a mode we call childlike listening. So do you want to explain this concept? Well, should I, I? I can pick up, you mentioned earlier the idea of performative unplugging, mm -hmm. uh, which is part of the, the, the way that you meant to run this uh, listening party. Um, so the kits, is, they're, I mean, they're, they're quite insistent on this. You know, they say everyone turn off their phones or pop it in airplane mode, put your phone away. We, we're all going to be focused here on this, uh, on this story. But that does, that does raise a question, right? Because you could have everyone listen to the podcast and then come to your house, uh, eat snacks and discuss the podcast in like, like a reading club. Exactly. Uh, why not doing that? Why, right. why gathering everyone and kind of, you know, listening together in this quite awkward scenario? Colouring in and <laughs> sitting on the floor. Uh, so, so that's why we think, of, we, we think of this kind of this unplugging as performative, right? We think that, um, we think that you're not only turning off your phone, you're showing everyone that you are turning off your phone. Everyone together is turning off their phones, making themselves, as you said before, unreachable, making, making themselves unreachable to bosses and friends and partners, um, but only for a short while. Right. But before we talk about that, I just want to go back is we didn't really uh, explain what the childlike listening is really about. So, I mean, these are the conditions in which you're supposed to be, uh, you know, performing this uh, childlike listening. But basically, we're talking about a mode of listening that uh, permits us to detach ourselves from the compulsion of being productive and uh, lets us really be present in the here and now. Um, and the whole idea of this situation, this uh, childlike listening mode, is uh, associated with the innocent and uncorrupted child. Uh, I'm talking about characteristics like um, curiosity, vulnerability, um, enthusiasm, imagination, even mm -hmm. a sense of wonder that you're supposed mm -hmm. to uh, demonstrate. And also in this situation we find an infinity between the listening through childlike ears to crafted narratives uh, such as invisibilia and the listening to the authoritative yet kind of soothing voice of your mother telling you a bedtime story, right? So it's not about the uh, childish escapism we, we talked about before, but it's more of, um, of a way that serves as a bridge to an idealized self immune to external distractions. Mm -hmm. And open to learning and... and... Exactly. So when we are in this childlike mode of listening we are also supposed to to demonstrate our uh, willpower to to be disconnected and to be very present which again connects us to the idea of performative unplugging yeah because i think that we're not we're not only 
turning off our phones, we're showing other people that we're turning off our phones. We're, so we're doing this performance together. We're saying, look at me being available to you now. Mm -hmm. uh, though the, it's delimited, there's, a, there's an end. When the party is over, you turn your phone back on and you ha I guess you then have to you know, catch up on all the messages and emails that you uh, received while your phone was off. Um, but more than that, you are meant to, you're meant to share images and tweets of the party on social media. So you're meant to unplug for the party, but then replug back in again and share. And they give hashtags that, that you're meant to use to tell about your listening party. So this isn't uh, some kind of vision of a of a of a I don't know, like a post social media world or a world without uh, digital communications. No, it's more about rebooting mm. our ability to communicate. The requirement that we turn off our phones talks to some kind of crisis in communication, that we're communicating too much, that we're always on, that we're always replying and receiving messages. So here we kind of, we turn it off, uh, but we turn it off in order to turn it back on again, but as a kind of, as an improved version of ourselves because we've listened to an educational podcast and had uh, a deep and meaningful discussion about it with uh, with our peers right so when I was thinking when, when we were talking about that I, I was reminded of Fred Turner's article about the Burning Man Festival it's quite an article from 2009 in which he says that computer software engineers go to Burning Man mm. Festival in the desert and, and they kind of do kind of engineering projects there but what he says is that they they um they detach themselves from the world of work in order to redeem the world of work which they have which which is recalled in the way they behave at the festival and then after the festival they all go back mm -hmm. to their offices in silicon valley so here too you recharged and kind of ready to work again right but also believing in what you're doing yeah. So here you turn off your phone, you have a you have a serious discussion uh, with other people who whom you are present to because you've shown everyone that you're turning off your phones and putting them away. Uh, and then you emerge from this um, to go back to the world of work where we the kind of people that we imagine are having listening parties are, are people in in kind of the professions, right? Liberal jobs where where sitting around and having a discussion is probably part of their work this is how we were imagining the, the imagined participants in yeah. these parties as we said these are also people that are familiar with the therapy talk and uh yeah they're they're quite heavy class uh, undertones to to this listening bourgeois kind of uh, audience yeah yeah absolutely Right. So, um, what what are the takeaways from this article? What is the really bottom lines here? So, uh, our point is that the cultural and the social values uh, conveyed by the Invisibilia coloring pages and the listening kit 
reveals something about how we learn to make sense of podcasts and become open to promises of new media. In short, they construct a myth about podcasting. What do you mean by myth, Selene? Uh, a myth as a story, as a, as, a, as a kind of discourse. Yeah, the, the whole idea of constructing a discourse around something, everything could be uh, issue for a discourse. And in this case, by providing us a step-by-step -step script for an unplugged listening party centered around a shared listening experience to podcast episodes, Invisibilia and NPR are contributing to the creation of a discourse about podcasts in general. And it is a discourse about how certain audio storytelling podcasts imagine their listeners. They think we are, um, they imagine us as sensitive, creative, capable of critical thinking, uh, in touch with our feelings, familiar with therapeutic talk, and highly communicative. Mm -hmm. And the subtext of this is that uh, these imagined listeners have the cultural and the social capital that enables them to take part in a podcast listening party, such as having like-minded friends who are capable of engaging in this complex discussion and uh, you know, hosting listening parties in their house, um, having those uh, intellectual questions thrown around. And I, I think these insights may apply to podcasts beyond invisibilia, right? We see this in the literature about podcasting, uh, pioneer podcast scholars such as Richard Berry and Dario Lenarius uh, have talked about the idea, that a sense of podcastness that yeah. comes when we uh, listen to podcasts. What is it exactly? I don't know, but it's, it's kind of bring us, uh, bring about a new oral culture. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's th this listening party kid is not the first time that um, we can see someone or we can hear someone telling us how. Uh, they think we should uh, consume this medium. The, um, this was before my time, but the BBC had a, uh, a radio show which was a story being read for children, and, it's, and it very famously began, Are You Sitting Comfortably? Then I'll Begin. Hmm. So that, in that sentence, you can hear the presenter imagining... The way her audience, but also constructing her audience, right? Mm. You should sit comfortably to listen to this podcast. So here, that's, I think, exactly what's happening, right? Invisibilia is saying, this is how we imagine you listening, uh, we, how we would like you to listen, because this is this medium, because this mode of listening is appropriate for this medium. Yeah, right. And I think that when podcasts are associated with these qualities, even if we consume them as we used to do with, with radio consumption, when we're commuting, like uh, washing the dishes or driving to work, we may nonetheless perceive them differently because they're constructed around these ideals that are different, that are uh, unique to, to this sense of podcastness that's mm -hmm. supposed to connect us with ourselves and with others. Indigenous how to listen to adult storytelling podcasts through childlike ears, uh, I think it's, it's a part of a wider cultural effort a myth that takes the medium of podcasting from uh, the realm of uh, companionship, which used to be associated with radio, mm -hmm. into the realm of mentorship, right? Yeah, I, in in yeah. a way um, of self improvement even, and this ultimately 
gives podcasts their cultural aura as you know an elite cultural practice yes i think that the this this kit shows the ideal self that listens to this podcast uh, and and absolutely it's an educated self-aware articulate uh individual um who can detach themselves from the everyday from the humdrum uh, and devote themselves with other people showing themselves to be devoting themselves to uh, listening to other people talk so would you say that listening to podcast is kind of a social status now it's part of your kind of habitus I think that uh, I mean the research shows that podcast listeners are middle class uh, I would imagine that we will see an expansion of that demographic but but mm. uh, but, but as a but the early adopters certainly more middle class than than anything else more educated so to wrap it up do you think that anyone at home will take this podcast and throw a listening party <laughs> to the smart podcast would you enjoy <laughs> such a party yeah, i don't think that you have to have a party for it but i but but in the intro to this podcast there is a setup for how Yeah, how one we or to. you think that the the podcast might be listened to, right? Right? It doesn't mean it actually being listened to that way or even listened to at all. But um, yeah, one can hope that this is how people consume it with like a glass of wine and intellectual environment. So yeah, I think I think we covered everything that we want to say today. Do you have anything to to add on top of that? Uh, no, I feel like we've explained ourselves. So, so thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Slinky. And um, yeah, bye for now. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the Smart Family Institute. Our producer and editor are Tzli Sharon and Ovid Rohn, with help of the director of the Mount Scopus Radio Studios, Moti Barakan. Special thanks to Idana Meet Danhi for recording the opening and closing. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to The Smart Podcast. You can find us at the Smart Institute website or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next episode, stay home and stay smart. Stay smart.